0: Welcome to our YouTube channel. As you take time to listen to God's word today, we believe and we pray that you will be inspired and your faith will be strengthened and we hope that this sermon will be a blessing to you as well as your family. This morning God has a word for us and I believe that it will truly uh, encourage all of our lives. Um, go with me to, uh, in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6. You can turn the pages or you can switch it on whichever version of the Bible or device that you are using, Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and our passages from verse 1 to 9. It is a new subject that I will be teaching this morning. It is not something that I have usually preached on. Um, So I pray that God will speak into your hearts as well. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you. I pray, Lord Jesus, as we get into this subject this morning, I pray that you will speak into our hearts, into our lives. I pray that that as we uh, expose these words, Lord, these verses, this passage from Ephesians chapter 6, I pray that it will truly go deep in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Let's read it together if possible, so the words will come on the screen, I believe. Yeah, there we go. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember you both have the same master in heaven and he has no favorites. Awesome. Amen. In Android, there is this option. Work and life. How many of you know this? All the Android users, you'll know this. In OnePlus also, there's a particular option in my phone it says uh, there's a button that says work life mode. And it's so cool that you can actually customize it in such a way that you can decide which apps should be on while you're at work. So when you go into work mode and you try to put this work life balance option and, and in work mode it says setup, right? So uh, under setup you can go there and then you can choose which are the apps that can be available. You can actually turn off some apps like Instagram, Facebook, Netflix. Everything that would distract you from your work you can turn it off. You can just probably have your email on, maybe your phone calls, and maybe something important that other apps that you use, some financial apps, you can keep them on. The cool thing is that it also asks for your your work Wi-Fi. So when you're in your work Wi-Fi sometimes it switches on to work mode. And then it says life mode begins at 7 p.m. Now that's the screenshot from my, from my phone. So my life mode starts at 7 p.m. and my work mode starts a little later. And at and, and 7 p.m. the phone switches back to life mode. The interesting thing I noticed is that if I'm still in the office, my phone knows that I'm still in the office. And it switches back to it's trying to switch back to life mode, and it, the Google Map says, "Your traffic is clear, 10, 15 minutes, you can be home." And I'm thinking, how did this happen? And, and it basically it detects the Wi-Fi, and if you're still connected to your work Wi-Fi after seven pm, your phone tells you it's time to wrap it up it's time to wrap it up right, you need to go, right so, so wives, if your husband is not using this app I'm giving you a great opportunity here for you to yeah, you're welcome, you're welcome you're welcome you can put that on, you can, you can set it up with him maybe today after the service over lunch, maybe you can sit together. Hey, this work-life mode app that Pastor was talking about, I never heard of it, right? Come on, let's, let's do this together, right? Which are the apps? And then when you come home, you can turn off your emails. You can even turn off your phone calls and, and, and probably use things that, that would be useful for you when you're at home to enhance your life. And I looked at it, and I thought, wow, this team has really thought through the life of people and they've put work life mode balance but then they were the ones who actually took the balance away from life as well are you with me? Yeah. Like before, life before Netflix Okay, let's go from the beginning life before electricity anybody knows life before electricity here you need to talk to your grandparents. Maybe not to, even to your parents. Life before electricity. You say night when the sun goes down. What? I say good morning when the sun goes down, pastor. You say goodnight when the sun... You have dinner when the sun goes down. When the sun go down, you go down. <laughs> you sleep. And when the sun comes up, you're back to work. And sun comes up not when you open your curtains, it is up in the horizons by 3, 4 a.m. Even before we see it, actually it's coming up and by the time we see it, it's probably around 6 a.m. and people are out of their houses by that time. So life before electricity was different, life before Wi-Fi was different. Life before smartphones was, how many of you remember the old phones, the old school phones we had, you know? You can kill somebody with that phone, you remember? You throw that phone, you are dead. (laughs) You don't need any warranty or guarantee, you can sit on it. Uh, We didn't spend that much money on it, you can sit on it and you will be sitting like this. It was like a brick. The games he used to play on that phone? Snakes. If I had the Sunday school kids to come and sit here, they'd be like, why is he talking in tongues? I don't even understand a word that he is saying. Life was different from time and time to time. But as Christians, we are not called to led by the changes of time, but we are called to live by the principles of God's word. As followers of Christ, technology will develop, of course. Life will change from time to time. It's okay to be updated, but it's important to stay rooted in God's word. So that you are not controlled by the devices or the changes or the external factors, but you are constantly living on the foundation of God's word, which means that, you handle things differently you know what you are given is just a tool so this morning we i'm going to teach to you from this topic work life balance so the t- the title of my sermon is work life and you all right Amen. work life and you if you want to write things down you better write things down if you have not gone into work that is great. It's good that you're learning now so that you won't make the mistakes that I made or some of us here made. So you are getting an advanced ticket, a pre-show of what life could be so that you can make adjustments today and make decisions today that will make your tomorrow better. Amen. You want a great future? You're praying for a great future? Then make decisions today and make great decisions today. Are you with me? Great. Like I said, it's a new topic for me to teach and it's going to be fun. Shall we get to work? Yes. Work and life. Now this represents home. How many of you remember the last time you, sit, you sat down all together as a family and had a meal together? Do you remember the last time when there was no devices on the table. There was only conversation. Do you remember the last time that you actually cooked a meal and served it with love and care and kindness? Do you remember the last time when you sat together with your father, your mother, and you sat together as a family and you had great discussions over the table? Not about anything else but just about you and your life. That's life. Do you remember the last time you went to work without a grumpy face? Do you remember the last time you came to work and you said, Wow, Lord, thank you that I get to work. Do you remember the last time you said, I get to go to work, I don't have to, I get to, it's a privilege. Or do you say, man, another day here again. Ephesians chapter 6, and we're gonna, I'm going to teach you under three topics. Jesus in your work, Jesus in your family, and Jesus in your life. Now Jesus, we say Jesus is first in my life. If Jesus is first in your life, He doesn't have to be an item in your shopping list where you say, I said a prayer, now let me carry on with my life. No, Jesus has to be at the center of your life. Now, everything you do revolves around Him. Amen? Now, you've got to understand Jesus in your work, Jesus in your family, and Jesus in your life. Let's go to from verse 5 to 9. Verse 5 to 9. Now Paul is saying, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Now, When you read this, you're like, Whoa, 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 back up for a minute. What is this about slaves that you're talking? The moment you read the verse, Slaves obey your masters, Immediately you'll say, Why in the world did the early Christians rise up and stop and abolish slavery? That's what we would think, right? Because our model of slavery or our picture of slavery came from the 18th and 19th century from uh, America, from Caribbean islands of how black people were treated really, really bad as slaves. But that was not the case in the first century. That was not the case during Jesus' time. There's an enormous difference between 1st century slavery and what we saw in the 18th and the 19th century slavery. 1st slavery, century ser- slavery in Roman Empire was not actually based on race. In slavery, there were all kinds of people and all race so it was not just based on one race at all secondly it was not lifetime what we saw in the 18th and 19th century what happened in the caribbean islands to the africans and later became african americans was slavery and they were subject to slavery for lifetime but slavery in the first century was not actually subject to lifetime in fact you had a choice to get out of slavery and most people got out of slavery when they were 30 years old. There were some common things, slaves cannot quit, they couldn't make demands, they cannot negotiate, they cannot negotiate their salary. In other words, I'm just paraphrasing all this from the Anchor Yale you know, dictionary, Bible Dictionary. In other words, despite all the clear legal distinctions between slaves and masters, slaves made a choice for them to be sold into slavery because that was the stable option at that time. That was the stable option at that time. Now, does this ring a bell to you? Does this sound a little familiar? Today we call it Employment, a choice to be going into an option that works best for you. It was called slaves and masters, today we call it, I'm just saying. They were not, they sold themselves in first century, they sold themselves because slavery had high job security. Do you know that? Scholars write in first century in Roman Empire if you are in slavery or gone into slavery you have high job security. When today when you choose a job one of the things that you look for is... okay. and later you see, a lot of things change. Like I said, Paul, when he was writing this in this context, he was not writing to what happened in the 18th, 19th century African Americans. He's writing to first century slaves who took a choice and they identified themselves with their masters because the highest your master is, your class and your you know, um, level of slave is higher. So they'll pick the highest master possible so that they can be the highest slave possible. We call it, what do we call it? General manager. (laughs) We call it, you know, job promotion. You start from the low master and you go to the highest master. You go from low salary to... Alright, now don't go to your jobs tomorrow morning. My pastor said that, that you are a slave master. <laughs> I'm just trying to point out the difference between what happened in the first century employment and today. Now this is the context that verse 5, Paul is writing, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. What is Paul saying here? He's saying two things here. Number one is work is a divine calling and an earthly service. Work is a divine calling and an earthly service. Often In in Greek, Roman world, you know, in New Testament, there's a mix of Greek and Roman world. Just bear with me if I'm sounding like a theologian or a bit of a Bible college this morning. But I really want to expose this passage to you so that you understand the context in which Paul writes this. Right In Greek Roman world, the head of the family, they write some codes for the family. In other words, they write the culture of how things should be. They call the household codes. These household codes, when they're writing this in the family, they would write it not to their slaves, not to the people who are working for them. They'd write to their children. They'd write to somebody within their own family who is the head of the slaves. And they would write of how a dining should be set. they would write about what would happen you know when, when somebody important c- comes and visit their uh, home. so basically everything is coded and they call it the household code. So normally normally, it is written only to the children and relatives and some important people in the family. but when Christians, that is followers of Christ post-Christ, after Jesus, when they started writing household codes, including Paul, they included their servants as well. That is why when Paul is writing, he's referring, in this verse, he's not just writing a scripture, he's referring to the culture of their household codes. He's writing to say, hey, you need to include the servants as well in other words you need to treat them as human beings as well in other words you need to be inclusive of them as well you know martin luther king when he exposes the lord's prayer and when we pray that line give us this day our daily bread and 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 he stops for a minute says how does god provide your daily bread When you pray that prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Does a bread just appear from heaven and falls on your plate? And you just take it? Does a milk just appear on your dining table? Did the rice just just appear on your plate? There was a farmer who went and did what he had to do. There was a milkman who had to be on time and did what he had to do so that you'll get milk. There was a baker who did what he had to do so that you would have bread. When you pray, God uses earthly people to answer your heavenly prayer. You understand? That is why everything that you do at your work is a divine calling to an earthly service you got to understand this everything that you do is a divine calling to a because somebody prayed somewhere and god is using you're praying for revival you're praying for you know for god to move you're praying for india to become better one of the ways and tools that India can become better is by giving education to our children so that they will have a better life. And as they have a better life, they can be more creative. They can do greater things that we never imagined what happened a few, few centuries back. So if you are a teacher, what are you doing? You are answering a divine calling to an earthly service. Are you with me? Are you with me? If you are a student, it is a divine calling for an earthly service. You got to remember this. You got to remember this. You are not working for your earthly master when you go to work. You're working for your divine master. Every work, this is why I have, you know, some brooms and, and laptops and... Few more things that I wish I could add but I did not have enough time but just to represent to show that every worker whether you are in high paid jobs or low paid jobs your salary does not fit or or determines your master you are called for a divine calling your work is a divine calling. The outcome probably an earthly service because if you can't do what you are doing here with an understanding that you are serving the greatest master, that will not work. Are you with me? Your family cannot be built. I'm not saying your family is dependent on your work, not at all. Your family is not dependent on your job. Your family is dependent on how you respond to your heavenly master. Your family is dependent on how you respond to your calling over your life. Because when you look at your job this way, when you look at your work this way, the second thing that happens is you will start working with all your heart. Number one is work is a divine calling and number two is Work requires all your heart, all your heart, with all your heart. Paul says, you know, with with a biblical understanding, you see, God is our creator and God is also our sustainer. He put us here, He knows how to sustain us. He gave us a family, He also gave us a work and He takes care of what happens in between. Sometimes you only have family and lose work. But that doesn't mean that you lost your calling. Stay with me. Stay with me. You have family. Many people lost your jobs during COVID, but I have only family. I feel ashamed to sit at the table as a head of the family when I don't have my paycheck coming in. No, 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 that's not your attitude. You might not have your job with your earthly master, but you still have your calling with your heavenly master. Your job is not connected to your earthly master. Your job is just a channel for the heavenly calling to be fulfilled in and through your life. You got to understand this. This is the biblical perspective that Paul is trying to teach. That you have a greater calling. You might think that you are going to serve an earthly master. But you are not going to serve an earthly master. You are going to serve a heavenly master. When you are serving a heavenly master. You will be excellent at your work. Regardless of how you are treated by your earthly master. Stay with me now that's that oh pastor hang on hang on until this point I was fine you got no idea how I'm treated at work oh I I, I can understand I have worked I worked for 8 years I did for 6 years I did 3 jobs in a day 3 jobs and I studied alright I worked under an Italian boss God bless her heart but my goodness a lot of times I thought she was speaking Italian, then later realized it was all a bunch of bad words. She cannot speak English without speaking bad words. For every one word, there will be five bad words. Initially, I thought it was just Italian. <laughs> and later I came to her, you know she is really mad about everything. She is just mad about Everything. You might be working under a boss like that. You might have a master who is just crazy and, and, and probably shouting at you, who is not fair to you, who is probably not giving you the raise that you need to get and all these kind of things. But your excellence is not determined by the situation of your earthly master because your excellence should not be connected to your earthly master, it should be connected to the heavenly one. Because what you're giving is an answer to a heavenly calling for an earthly service. That is why the earthly master gives you a salary. But the heavenly one gives you a blessing. Blessing is beyond your salary. Blessing goes, oh I have, I have food in my table. I'm eating, it's great. First week of the month... Mm. Second week, mm. third week, a couple of bowls goes missing in the table. We don't have much, let's reduce the number of dishes. By the end of the fourth week, Lord bless me and keep me, please fill my plate with something. Towards the end of the month, you're dependent on, on, your, on, your, on your earthly master and you take your eyes off your heavenly master. You are narrowed down in your perspective because your provision is based on the figures in your bank account and not on the riches of God. You see how this has a data correlation with this? Because when, 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 when you would make a mistake in your perspective here, you are making a huge mistake in how you lead and handle your family. When you don't know how to lead and handle your family according to God's word, you go in a bad mood. And when you go in a bad mood, we all know when you go in a bad mood. The entire family feels it. When the father goes in a bad mood, when a mother goes in a bad mood, when, when children go in bad mood and, and things are just chaotic and, and, and you just don't, don't understand where this is all happening, it is because we don't have a biblical perspective of work and life. Are you with me so far? Work requires all your heart. When you know that you are serving the heavenly master, No matter how you are treated at work, you're going to be so steady, you're going to be so productive, you're going to have such a high integrity, you're not going to work hard only when people are watching you. You are going to work hard even when there is no one watching you, you will work hard when there is zero appreciation, you will work and do better in your productivity, it does not matter what happens. The ironic thing, let me tell you something, if you start working and if you put your 100% like this knowing that you are serving the heavenly call, the earthly masters will come knocking for you and they will want you to stay. They'll see that there is something different about this guy. They'll see that there is something different about this woman. There is something different. The earthly bosses will be falling all over themselves trying to get you. Do you believe that? That's the attitude we need to have. That's the attitude we need to show when it comes to family. Verse 5, is 6, he says, Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart. And remember, it's a divine calling for an earthly service. If you're students, you're given an opportunity to study and you say, and you say I'm not working right now, I will apply this when I'm working, I am sorry. You got to apply it now. Because your studies is your work right now, because what you sow is what you're going to reap. If you sow laziness, you will have somebody who will give you a lazy job you you with me you got I, I understand there's unemployment. I understand uh, not everything is perfect in in our country. I understand there's a lot of lot of you know. Corruption, But in the midst of it all, God's eyes is always on the one who is faithful. Amen. God's eyes, the entire nation was falling apart, but God's eyes was on Noah. An entire nation was under slavery, but God's eyes was on Moses. If you can be faithful, it is God's eyes that needs to be on you. If God's eyes is on you, then everybody will have to be in favor of God's will over your life. At that time you will say, oh my goodness, so many people tried so many things. I don't even know how I got this opportunity. I don't even know how I got this job. I don't even know how how this happened. And, and, And in the deep in your heart, you know God made a way you know God made a way because when God makes a way no man can take credit for themselves including you and you start living under that grace and you start receiving under that grace and every so so if, you, if your salary is cut off you you're like wow I'm glad my salary I'm just getting half my salary because I know for the other half I'm going to increase my faith for this month I'm going to taste the miracle salary that is coming my way. I'm going to taste the provision of the Lord. So my mood here is not going to be determined by what happens here. My mood here is still going to be joyful because it is the Lord who provides. Are you with me? You got to understand this. Second thing, Jesus in your family. Let's go to the interesting part. Verse 1 to 4. It tells you something for children to do and something for parents to do. Can I say something? Yes. Parents, you're also children. Don't forget that. If you have your parents alive or even if your parents are not alive, you're also children. You might be a grown adult. Alright, let's, let's, let's get into the word. Right. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. Can you see something similar of what is Paul writing exactly of what he's writing about the work as well? He's saying, work like you're working for a divine call because your work and you and your career, it belongs to the Lord, not you. Children, Obey your parents, not because they are your parents, because you belong to the Lord. Hello? Yes. Are you with me? Yes. Whenever I, I hear this verse, when I was a kid, and, and, and usually my father starts preaching, and, and, and pastors have this advantage when your own children are attending that church. And, and, and my dad would start, children obey, I start cringing. I'm like, here we go. And I'm like, okay, what did I do this week? (laughs) Let me. So I start thinking about that. And probably most of you are now going into that mode. Okay, here we go, right? But 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 you're gonna like it. You're gonna like it because there's a divine, deep truth in it. Children, obey your parents, because it's interesting. Paul also actually writes. It says in verse four: Fathers, do not provoke your children it's interesting that he just mentions fathers the reason being again going back to the context that paul was writing fathers were in absolute control of everything that happened here and fathers were in absolute control of everything that happened here so the work life balance god had given to the head of the family The pastor of the home, the preacher of your house, the evangelist of your household, the prophet to your family. Listen to me carefully. I always say this, I'm not the pastor to your family, I'm the pastor to this church. I'm the pastor for the family of families. My first pastoring has to start from my home. Who's the pastor for your church, for your house? Is the head of the house. Is the head of the house. If you can't change the ways of your children in seven days a week and you expect kingdom kids to change their ways in 45 minutes, I'm sorry, that's not possible. The reason why I'm saying is that families have to be built in the Word of God. Can your children feel no difference between home and church? Can your children feel no difference, especially when they look at their parents? They see no difference between home and church? It's interesting, Paul writes this because fathers. The, 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 the nature or the culture at that time is fathers owned everything and they owned their children also. So in other words, those days there was zero choice in the matters of the children. The children cannot say, I, 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 I don't feel like going to college today. No, oh boy. <laughs> There's no such word as I don't. You don't start with I even. You said, what? I don't, I don't, the father would be like, uh, did you just say I? Who asked about you? Get to the farm and start the work. It was that kind of culture. It was that kind of time. So Paul is writing, saying, don't exasperate your children. In other words, don't provoke your children. He is trying to bring a biblical culture into a culture which saw everything as a possession and as an object. The fathers those days did not see their children as a gift of God and that they are to bring them up according to the calling of God. They saw that the family is their object, the family is their possession. Everything that they touch and see belongs to them. So they were in absolute control of everything that happened. So now Paul is writing to this culture to say, don't provoke your children. And probably everybody in the church of Ephesus goes, you said, what now Paul? You can talk about Jesus and you can stop there. Don't come into my family and tell me how I should run my family. Now this would be the 21st century New Testament Christians. If I stepped in and tell you what to do in your home, you will be like, stick to the Bible and stick your nose out of my family. But Paul is a courageous man. But also Paul is obedient to God's voice because he knows down the line there will be a church called King City Church who will be also reading this. And there will be fathers and mothers and children who are probably also need to be brought up in a biblical way. So this is not just for the church of Ephesus. This is also for the church of Trichy when he wrote. Because he knows that time and culture might change But the culture of God's kingdom will never change. That is why he centers everything around this big theology that is everything and everyone belongs to God. And everything that you have received here on earth is a gift from God. Handle it wisely. Handle it carefully. Are you with me church? so when Paul says don't provoke your children what does he mean don't provoke them with excessive severe discipline many children are angry with their their family many children are angry with their parents either the father or the mother there's only two reasons and psychologists also back me up with this and this is what Paul is also talking about there's only two reasons They're either angry because of excessive, severe discipline or they're angry because of low, under discipline. You're with me? It's either excessive, severe discipline, like unreasonably harsh, You have put high demands on your children that you know they cannot meet. And the only reason you are putting those high demands on your children is because you wish you had that life and all of a sudden you are able to provide and now you are force feeding that life into your children. Don't do that. That's what Paul is writing. Again, abuse of authority. Abuse of authority includes using this verse to your children and say, the Bible says, children, obey to your parents. Whatever I say, you do. Yeah. I told you, this is a very different subject today. Amen. So excessive severe discipline. Don't abuse the authority. Don't, and giving unfair goals to your children. For God's sake, he's a child. Like, you make some unfair decisions. The moment the child is born, you decide the employment of your child. Like come on that is unfair. The baby, oh he opened his eyes and the first thing he looked at was the doctor I'm pretty sure he's going to become a doctor. Oh did you also notice when he opened his eyes and looked at the doctor, he cried? Maybe he doesn't like doctors. The moment he opened his eyes, he did his ears like this, you know it's like, like this like screwdriver, maybe he'll become an engineer one day. Like the moment they're born like you just decide what they're going to be and, and the, the first thing I said like Lord help me not to do that because I'm also tempted to do that. The first thing I did when I picked up my child I said Lord thank you, help me to be a good father, that's all I prayed. We cannot, I know you are eager, I know the intentions are right, but Paul is not talking about your intention because your intention does not matter because the children belongs to the Lord. Your intention has to be in alignment with God's will for your children. So if your intentions is not in alignment with God's will for your children, then what happens is that you start Forcing decisions on them, and Paul calls it don't provoke your children emotionally, physically, in every way. Don't again, one of the things is being constantly nagging your child, don't constantly nag your child, don't put them to condemnation, don't subject them to public humility. You bring them, and then you say, Oh, I'm going to first thing you say, you introduce, this is my son. This is my daughter. She will not do anything that I say. That is public humility. Your child is like, thank you mother. Great. From that moment onwards, hi, I am so and so, I don't study well. Why don't you just add that in the birth certificate? Why don't you just add that as a title for your child in the passport and in the other card? Sam Ellis won't study well. Wow, long name. huh? What I'm trying to say is that the more and more you confess this and the more and more you say this out in public, you are creating your child, you are, you are shaping the identity of your child into the confessions of your mouth. Parents in KCC, make a decision today according to God's word. I'm, again, I'm not putting my nose into your business. According to God's word, if you want to respond, make a decision today. When you introduce your child in public places, this is my child and this is what she's good at. Only stop there. You see the difference in your family. Please, please do that. Stop right there. What she's not good at is between you and God, not the public. You work in that with your, at your home. What she's not good at, you pray with your child at home. Don't humiliate your child publicly. It's under excessive, severe discipline. All forms of gross, insensitive ways of behavior that you're doing with your child, you might think that you have the right intentions in your heart go back and check i know on the outset you do have good intentions but is your intention in sync with what god wants for your child or what you want for your child because what god is telling your children is obey your parents because you belong to the lord there's a big difference there obey your children not be- obey your parents not because they are your parents Obey your parents. So teach your children, you need to obey me because you are a child of God. When you say obey me because I am your father, that is an abuse of authority and it is against God's word. You got to teach your children, you got to obey your parents because you are a child of God. You have higher standards. You, you You will not be late to school because you are a child of God. Uh, mommy and daddy would love for you to do well in your studies and give your best and try harder, not because of your Kurumbamanam. Hello? Not because your mama's pion is first drunk and you hey, I am first drunk. He's doing this, he's doing that. What so, where is your intention collected from? Oh, my sister's daughter. She went to NIT. I need to get my son to go somewhere. Where will I send him? Look at this fellow. Not even study. All of a sudden you have this big burden in your heart and start hitting and do this and do that and all that. And where is it all coming from? Because of one phone call that you received. Oh my goodness. And this fellow is like, (laughs) I see a lot of young people enjoying this. I believe that you are going to share the link if your parents are not here. (laughs) They will be like, Parents, listen to this. (laughs) Extensive, excessive, severe discipline check your intentions because the Bible says discipline your child because they belong to the Lord. You became a parent because God gave you your children as his gift to you. We don't own them. They belong to God. That's the spiritual biblical attitude. Again, under discipline. If you go on the other side saying My daughter, my son, do you feel like going to school today? You don't feel like going to school today? It's okay. You belong to the Lord. It's okay, my daughter. I said, just stay home. You belong to the Lord. He doesn't belong to the Lord, he belongs to laziness. (laughs) That's the truth. Excessive discipline has its effects. And also under discipline and being a massage and giving everything that your child wants and leaving totally uncontrollable according to their needs and their feeling is also provoking your children in the wrong way. So you got to find a clear balance between discipline and being a friend with your children. End of the day, You got to remember, your child needs to be brought up well, not because of you, not because of who you are, not because of your family background, not because of all your relatives and friends who will all have great advices. Every time when their advice does not work in their own house, they will call their brother's house and their sister's house. And somebody else's house, and and they can feel like they somebody's listening to them. Everybody will have advices, but you got to remember, none of this matters because it belongs to the Lord. You're bringing up your family. This everything here belongs to the Lord. So Jesus, in your family, you got to be careful how you bring your children up. You see. Um, I also want to talk to parents about another thing is that the Bible's, you know, Paul does not just stop there in verse 1. He also says, honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. The first commandment in the 10th commandment is honor your father and your mother. The thing is, it does not say in the first commandment, obey your father and your mother. It says, honor your father and and your mother now there you got to understand there's a big difference between obedience and honoring and you got to understand that Paul is writing to two categories of children verse first verse is to children who are growing up under the voice of the parents and the second one he's writing to children who are grown up and probably able to make their own decisions, but still you got to live a life that is honoring your parents. If you have become your own man, and you're still waiting for the instructions of your parents to obey, there is a problem. I want to be very clear, and I want to be very careful as I teach this, because this might not be liked, especially in Indian society, because our society has a culture, our society has a tagline, our society has a lot of instincts that is influencing our family. Now I'm not saying culture is bad, I'm not saying leave everything that is part of the culture. If the culture is not against the Bible, that's okay. But if there are cultures that is against the biblical view or the biblical perspective, then we got to analyze and how we do it honorably. You got to understand because if you're still angry, you have become your own parent now. You have your own children now. But you're still angry about your parents or something of what they've done. You're still obeying your parents in, their, in your head. Do you know that? You're still obeying your parents in your head because your anger is bound to what happened in the past. You think you're making decisions based on your knowledge or your exposure. But actually you're making decisions out of your unforgiving heart. That's the truth. Ouch. Truth is painful. Many times we make decisions as an extension of our ego. Many times we make it, take decisions as an extension of our own pride. If you have not forgiven your parents for mishandling a situation or applying a wrong method to discipline you, they are not perfect. You might stand there or you would have stood there and said, I would never do that to my child. Trust me and trust me. You will be worse than your parents. Because everything inside you subconsciously is deposited from what you experienced. In other words, you cannot stand to decide and say, I will never do this. You should decide to say, Lord help me. To lean on God's word for for wisdom for my children and give me strength from your word to forgive what has happened in the past. You got to forgive and you got to apply God's wisdom into your household. Can you write a household code that is not based out of your anger, that is not based out of your ego, that is not based out of your unforgiving heart but out of absolute surrender to God's word honor your father and mother if you don't do it and if your children don't see it now you can't obey, you you probably cannot obey everything that they are telling you to do but you can honor them always most first generation Christians who have accepted Jesus in the eyes of your parents you are a disobedient child right? because you disobeyed to follow something else and you obey to follow God's word over your life you are becoming obedient to God's word this is what I mean you cannot always obey but you can always honor. When the Bible says, you shall leave and cleave, it does not mean you isolate your family. You separate, but you be together. Recently somebody was talking to me, and he said, oh, um, I heard you're not living with your parents. You're You're not joint family? I looked at him and said, Oh, yeah, we are joint family. Yeah, we are joint family. Oh, but you're not in the same house. (laughs) You can be in the same house and be divided. Hello? Just because you're living under one roof and you call the system as joint family doesn't mean it's a joint family. Hello? Just because every child is wearing uniform when they're going to school, doesn't mean the entire school is united. Hello? Am I giving some truths this morning? Uniformity is not unity. Living under one roof is, doesn't mean it's joint. I have come across families who are living under one roof and draw a line in the hall. Why? Kitchen problem. (laughs) I wash my dish like this and I put it like this, but she wash it like this and put it like this. Immediately I want my own kitchen. I want my own washing machine. I want my own EB bill. I want my own Wi-Fi. You might as well live on your own. The Bible says thou shalt leave and cleave. Now the reason is and I interestingly had this conversation and this person was very interested to know oh I understand what you are trying to say. You are joint family but you are not living together. I said yes absolutely. My father can walk into my house anytime and sit down and have a meal. He doesn't need to book an appointment. He can say give give your car key I want to use it he can take it he have absolute access to everything that I have and I also have absolute access to everything he has we are joint family at all times when we try to make some important decisions together I might not agree with everything that my dad says and my dad will not agree with everything that I say because we both come from different generations But one thing that we always agree is that whatever that we decide, we pray together. We are joint family. Hello? Anything that we do, we might have disagreements. But at the end of the day, both my father and my mother and my family, we give absolute authority to the God's word and we will not move away from the authority of God's word. That's our household code. We are joint family you with me are you following this so you got to really understand what's going on because honor your father and mother this is the first commandment and everything that you do live a life that is honorable don't be divided by you know by principles worship word prayer principles in your family. Where you live is your preference. What you drive is your preference. How you keep the bottle is your preference. You can keep it like this, you can keep it like this, your mother might keep it like this. It does not matter. End of the day if we can all agree on one thing that is the principle You allow the preference to stay among themselves. Be united in your principles. We will be a praying family. We will be a family that gives God's word the authority. We will be the family that will be generous in our finances. We will be the family that does everything God's way. Are you a joint family? Oh yes. Can you say that? You can live under one roof and divided in God's word you can live under one roof but yet you can't come and sit for family prayer because somebody said something about something hello am I getting too deep into your business I think I should wrap it up Jesus in your life Jesus in your work Jesus in your family who is Jesus in your own life there's this person that is in between this and this. When nobody's watching you at work, when there's nobody watching you at home, there is an in-between that is you and God. That's the center of everything that you do. If you, as a man, if you as a woman, if you as a husband, if you as a father, is not grounded in your own life with God's word, in prayer. And in everything, these two cannot be held together. Work-life balance starts when you are rooted in God's word. When you are rooted in prayer. When you are rooted in the principles of the Heavenly Father. Amen.